Welcome to North Beats from North Beach. I'm your host, Corey Luna, and on our fourth episode, I chat with my friend Rich Hogben, who is the first coder I've gotten a chance to talk to about building Eurorack modules. He's a coder here in San Francisco, and as an addition to his job, he gets to write music for conferences. informal um i'm trying to you know what i'm what i'm curious about with you man is a lot about you know developing and coding and creating modules and cloning modules that's something that i don't know a lot about and i'm really curious to know more in depth of what that entails because i i've never i'm just not that that uh i don't i'm not that technical sure i'm more of a i'm more of a player musician and i had you know i I've put together a couple of modules, soldering, stuff like that, but I've never gotten into coding and, you know, doing PCB before. Right. So. Like, you mean PCB design? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I really want to get into today. Okay. But uh, let's start off with something kind of light. Rich, tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you got into electronic music in general. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I electronic music, I mean, I, I guess I started listening to it in, like, the 90s. Um, a lot of like radio play stuff, but then it was like Orbital, Chemical Brothers, Crystal Method, Underworld, like stuff like that. Yeah, that's um, more of like the uh, what I guess like techno scene. It's like electronica. Yeah, some electronica. Of it, um, like then they called some of it like big beat, like Fat Boy Slim and stuff like that. Um, but it was mostly just that's just what I was listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't jump straight in, straight into like, oh, how do I make this music? Yeah. I don't ever think it really crossed my mind. I think also just because then it was like, it wasn't something anyone could just kind of, it was it was a little harder to jump in and do. Nowadays, it's like, <laughs> it's I mean, you a lot can pull easier. out your iPhone and like start putting stuff together. You can. Yeah. Even I've done that, actually. Yeah. Um, but so I actually um, had a roommate that... Uh, was a DJ and he played a lot of techno. Mm-hmm. Um, he also put on events. Yeah, where where was this? This was in Southern California. Okay. But he also did parties in Baja, California. Um, and I did, I designed a bunch of the flyers for him and other people. So I kind of got pulled into that scene mm. a little bit there. And then it was like, okay, I know I'm kind of getting it. Like he was producing a little bit, um, but mostly DJing. Um, and then I was sort of playing like a tech support role in that <laughs> relationship. You know, like I do the flyers, but it would also be like software setup or like fixing something or mm-hmm. like hardware or things like that. Um, so I kind of had, I started to dabble with it then. What so kind of stuff were you doing like for more like with that tech support you were talking about? Were you like fixing hardware? Or? No, I mean, it could be something like when I say tech support, I'm not, not like traditional, but like he, he might be working on something. It's like, hey, I'm trying to do X. Do you know how to do that? Mm-hmm. And then I'd maybe go over and, yeah, I'd try something like this. Okay. You know, um, not that, like, he, he he was still, like, doing stuff, but um, I think maybe I just had a little bit more knowledge on the computer side. Okay. So Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tell me a bit more about these shows you guys were doing. Um, so this is SoCal, like, uh, what, what part of SoCal? San Diego, mm-hmm. um, Tijuana, Rosarito, <laughs> <laughs> um, places you could easily throw a party, uh, desert stuff sometimes. Mm. Um, Did you guys ever play Burning Man? No. 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 <laughs> no, this was like our, his and our circle of friends. Um, like, I remember one time we had one at, uh, there was a, a record store, the guy he knew, and we threw one in their back lot, like, behind the building. <laughs> just like a... That's cool. Like a, on the day of, like, let's do this. And then, you know, well, he's like, let's do this. And then get a bunch of people, the speakers were already there. You know, it's like, so that kind of stuff could be done really easily, just because yeah. of the people he knew. 
Um, but yeah, I'd say, yeah, that, that, that kind of spurred my interest to kind of making stuff. And I kind of did that for a while, um, just kind of bedroom, you know, producing, not posting anything, just making my own stuff, dabbling. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say recently in the past five years, I got back into it, like, seriously, mm. like, I need a set of monitors. I need a sound. I need a you know, an audio interface. You yeah, know, that kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. So in the so over the past like five years, you've been uh, what probably developing your own home studio. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. You could cool. say that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just kind of got the stars aligned, and I got hooked up with this company, Supply Frame, and uh, they they're just a there's a bunch of really creative people there mm-hmm. um and some of the events we do needed music and someone hey you do the music because i heard you do music and then now <laughs> the, you're the music guy <laughs> you're able to fill so, that niche right yeah so that's what i've been doing recently nice most of my stuff that i make is is for those events okay and what kind of uh, equipment are you using for these uh events for supply frame and you've been playing what between san francisco and serbia uh, <laughs> mostly, it's mostly LA. Okay. That's where they're headquartered. Oh, uh, like Pasadena area? Yeah. Okay. But they have other offices. One of them is in Belgrade. Belgrade. Um, and so it's easy for them to throw an event there because they have a network. Right. Um, so yeah, one of, one of them was there. Right. And that's all for, um, one of this, uh, one of the communities they kind of develop, uh, Hackaday. Right. I've been to one of those. Right. I think it was, I don't know, 2014 or 2015. I right. went to one of those right. out in here, and I think it was in the Dog Patch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first super conference yeah. was in the Dog Patch. Yeah, yeah so the were... Hackaday Super Conference is the one that I'm more involved with. Okay. So that, that requires stuff like um, announcement video, um, and then the actual event would have sort of a play off the announcement video, but like intro music, between speakers, um, exiting sort of something that's downplayed kind of in the background elevator music style you know like <laughs> when it needs to be like something that's 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 hip but a little chill so that people can have conversations over it right and what what what, what that stuff ends up being is like it's a cue for people you know when something is starting you play the starting music and everyone knows okay we're about to start you know um or okay. when it's over you play the ending music um so and it, it actually works really well. Like the first year that it happened, I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You just play the same song over and over again, and people know, like, "Okay, the talk's about to start." You know, you don't have wow. any of these awkward moments where like someone has to get on stage and like scream it. over the crowd, <laughs> right? And then what happens is each year it feels kind of branded because the music is made for each year, and uh, you know, like every year has its own sort of theme, I guess. So would you say that maybe you've been able to, with these uh, Hackadays, you've been able to design music that tells people just audibly a beginning, middle, and end to the conference? Um, yeah, kind of. That's kind of it, yeah. You know, you've actually kind of created a soundtrack that that kind of implies to people just from the music of when a conference, you know, when, people, when you know, someone's about to speak or when it's going to end, things like that. Right. Take your seats. Right. Yeah. Wow. So one of the years I did one track that a couple of them that were, I guess, um, they did really end up sounding almost like one of them sounded kind of alarmish, like an alarm, like uh, or like a bell, which is almost like, hey, you get, you know, get in your seats. Yeah. But it wasn't like screaming at you, but it kind of had that tempo. And, you know, none okay. of this stuff is super sped up. It's um, it's always a little slower, like from 90 to 110 BPM. So I'm not putting on like any 4-4, you know, techno music to get people to sit down or <laughs> um, it's a little more like stuff you could snap your fingers to or, okay. you know, tap your foot to. Um, and then the only real requirement is that it has to have some sort of earworm quality. So, um, so as it's played during the event, it kind of sticks in your head, okay. you know? And, and, and again, like, I just want to make, make sure, like I'm not a professional, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, people, I wouldn't say all of this music is great, but when the event is really great and then you, you hear the music over and over again, you start to associate the two things together and then the music yeah. becomes great. 
<laughs> which was kind of a side effect of that. But that's wow. kind of what happens. So um, a couple of the years I've had people, I mean, some years are better than others, you know? And like, I think I remember one year, this that this is kind of the new joke. It's like every, someone would scream out, like, play last year's music. You know, because <laughs> like it was better than this year's. Oh. <laughs> so there's this kind of, okay. that's this thing we say. It's kind of funny. <laughs> last year's music. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know about that. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my experience with that was, you know, it was I enjoyed it when you know the one conference I went to, but I didn't realize it was that it was done so well. That's that's really that's really fantastic. I'm really impressed with that. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Now, over the past few months, like you and I kind of like ran into each other again, just uh, late last year at a show, at a uh, resident. Yep. At yeah. resident. And. Um, <laughs> Uh, something that really intrigued me that you were telling me about was that you were working on, you know, cloning uh, a, a module, and that's something I've never done. And it really intrigues me that you're that you were able to do this. Would you be able to elaborate on a little bit more on the detail of you know uh, the, the background that you have to sure use for that? Um, and and again, I'm a pretty s- still like amateur level okay. with that stuff, um, but being at supply frame and going to some of these hardware events um and that's mostly the people that are there it's their their engineers electronics engineers the talks are about pcb board design and you can't not absorb some of that stuff when you're going to them year after year you know so you start Mm. to kind of pick up on it um so it's actually inherent in the in the company you're working for yeah, there's wow. there's there's hardware engineers there. Um, they have a design lab where they're creating kind of from design to uh, mass production kind of products is sort of the, the deal. Um, and yeah, so I've sort of just picked up on some of that stuff. So one of those things is um, kind of being familiar with, uh, I guess, being able to pull up a schematic, uh, mm-hmm. read a schematic uh, of a PCB board, um, kind of uh, set up a development environment, um, load firmware, you know, things like that. Um, and kind of what I wanted to do once I started to get into Eurorack, like everyone else, um, <laughs> was uh, maybe make my own module. Yeah. But I didn't want to start from scratch. And there's a lot of modules out there that are sort of set up to kind of write your own software um like ornament and crime is one of them i think that's are they yeah um that that one is i think it was designed to be sort of a like open source open source yeah. kind of write your own write your own module like here's what we've made but it's open source so that you know if someone wants to create an addition to it that yeah it's, they're able well, the, to and the hardware is set up a little kind of to be you know it's got like i think two knobs and then a certain number of jacks and you can kind of rewire those to do whatever you want them to do, you know. It's actually one of the modules that just just came back into uh, I think Perfect Circuit Audio just uh, just uh, just came back into their store, and I just got an email about mm. it because I've been watching it because um, one of the guys I know on on Instagram, Musical Fungus, had messaged me a little while ago telling me that it was a really fun module. Mm-hmm. He really he really enjoyed playing around with it. Yeah, and as far as the hardware, there's a lot of different versions. There's like the micro formats and and different things in that module. Um, so the ones I picked up on were the mutable modules, again because those are also he open sources the, the designs. Mm-hmm. He also opens uh, she also open sources the uh, development environments, um, and uh, it's it's something where you can very easily. There's even, like, I found a website that's like a sort of hello world to immutable instruments uh, module. So you can open up the, you can install the developer environment, open up this hello world script, and immediately start blinking lights or, you know, making a knob do one thing. Hmm. Um, That's the easy part. The hard part is learning DSP, which uh, writing digital signal processing code, which is very hard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've never tried, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, and yeah. that's kind of where I'm at right now. So, you know, it, it starts off, I think, pretty easily. Like, you can go on GitHub, you can download... You can uh, clone the GitHub, the um, development environment, um, run a few commands, it's installed, uh, you have all of his file, all of her files there, um, and, 
yeah it's kind of like you then you the, the whole thing is then open to you you know um so that's kind of where i'm at one of the i have an idea for a module it's mostly just going to be writing software and then tweaking tweaking some of the hardware so are so you writing the software in dsp or what tell me more about the writing the software for a module right so it's i mean it's all it's all like c based code, oh okay c right? code um and it's difficult um and i haven't actually gotten that far um but you know there's a there's a bunch of libraries set up um that basically the the processor is really good at doing certain things a lot of it's like math mm-hmm. but it's just very fast at computations right so the D, the whole point of dsp is that it's real-time processing of the audio chain yeah so the faster the processor, the more stuff you can load onto it that it can do and still be in real time. So oh. as the audio is coming in at whatever bit rate you've chosen, it can process and do what it's supposed to do and then spit it back out. You know, So you're going from the uh, analog digi- digital converter, pro- DSP processor is doing its thing, and then spitting it back out to a digital to analog converter. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it just takes a lot of time. I mean, it, there's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm used to the, uh, like, I'm a front-end engineer, so I'm used to, like, uh, you know, the most I do on a daily basis is working with JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much stuff out there. It's very easy. It's pretty quick to get into. Um, it's not a lot of heavy programming unless you're, like, doing, like, back-end stuff, maybe. Do you think data-heavy stuff? Is, is C more back-end or front-end? or I'm not sure. Oh, that's just straight. That's a compiled language. Okay. Um, but it's just very. I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's a little stricter than JavaScript. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it is stricter than JavaScript. Um, and uh, I, I'd, I'd say it's a more traditional. Like when you talk about a programmer, right? Yeah. Someone who writes Java, you know, something like that. Okay. Um, would, that's what I would say would be like a real program. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've noticed that a lot of a lot of these, every, almost every, I assume everybody who's is uh, you know has a company creating modules has to know some type of code. I guess it's C is the the main one, which I'm yeah, really C not and sure. it's probably C plus plus or probably something. Um, so I'm assuming that like almost everybody who's Developing has, and from what I've heard, you know, usually has a background in coding somewhere. They're, you know, usually an engineer somewhere, and then they kind of fall into creating. Yeah, I mean, unless it's a whole analog, unless you're making a straight analog module, which in in that case, you're just doing electronics design. There's no code at all. Mm. Um, But I'd say that the hybrids, the analog and digital, are probably more popular just because it opens up a lot. You can still have that kind of analog sound. Um, but then get a little digital control. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of the best of both worlds. I think that's really what Mutable goes for. I don't think anyone's afraid of like having digital only. Everybody's using a computer computer nowadays, anyways. So yeah, I mean, you know, even um, you know, extra sleepers with you know the disting MK4 is you know that's all digital, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, once you run it through enough saturation and reverb and stuff, it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so it <laughs> doesn't matter. Now, what about, um, so aside with, you know, going hand-in-hand with uh, doing the the code and writing that, you know, writing the C code for the module, what about actually physically developing the uh, the actual components and and assembling it? Um, So you've worked on, you know, a clone of something that you've you've shown, you tested out with me once, and and I'm curious about how you went from you know taking the code and creating the physical module that it that it went into um so you mean are you i'm just just trying to remember so are you talking about the mutable one or something else yeah um it was a clone of clouds okay. that you you brought over and tested yeah, and that, that with me and that was basically just for that one you know i just assembled it so that was just a lot of soldering mm. um but it that was a stock module okay. um but what I would do, what 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 my plan would, the reason I did that, um, was to kind of use it as a, a developer board, because it has a certain number of inputs and outputs. It's got a bunch of uh, potentiometers on it, um, 
the processors there, the libraries are there, the development environment is there. It's kind of everything you need to kind of start writing software and then running it to the board and testing it. And so. um, the code that, well, I am assuming that, uh, what's his name, the uh, mutable instruments, they, they have open source, right, mm -hmm. for, for what they, for their code and what they do. Yeah, and, and like I said, not even just the code, but the, his their, her whole development environment, which is basically what you need to take the source code and compile it to the file that gets loaded to the module, right? Okay. Um, and that's all something that sometimes can be really difficult, like setting up an environment, because mm. you it, there's just a lot of dependencies and things can get messed up when you're using maybe if you're using different versions. And the way this is set up, it's like one, two commands, and it's done. Super have you easy. had a, have you had a, any uh, difficulty with you know setting the environments as you said? No, I mean um, I think you could probably do it. I mean I I use a Mac, um, so through terminal it's pretty quick. Um, you could probably do it. I mean you could definitely do it on Linux uh, and Windows. It's just a virtual environment. Yeah. So um, if you have that software running, it runs within its container. So it's not really affecting anything on your whole entire system. It's contained, <laughs> okay. Um, which is nice because it doesn't. There's no conflicts with versioning stuff you might already have installed. It doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, yeah. So so I'd say what what you can do with something a setup like that is test the software, get it running, and then okay, decide. Look, actually, I only need like you know um, two potentiometers and. Uh, this many ins and outs, and then you modify the board a little bit, a lot. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, you know, the hard work is kind of done, I guess. Okay. Um, or at least the bootstrapping part. Ah. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Neat, man. Uh, what? So with uh, getting into that and playing around with, you know, just the the setup of with clouds, have have you been working on anything else that's maybe an original design of yours? Um, I've been thinking about it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I, how deep I want to go down the hardware route. Like, it's just, I mean, that's something that well, takes well, how years. About this? <laughs> well, how about this? Um, with now, you know, since you're from, you know, now that you're familiar over the years with, you know, playing with different modules and the different companies that are out there, and, you know, you, I know you've got your Eurorack set up, but with those modules that you have at hand, what are you seeing that you would like to have but don't have yet that maybe no one's really developed yet? Have you thought oh. about developing ideas for you know a module that does yeah. a particular job that you haven't really seen yet? I mean, the one I wanted to do is a transgate, um, which is actually really easy to do with standard Eurorack modules, although you'd need a handful of them. And I kind of like these modules that are get a little specific maybe too specific but then you can sort of use them in ways that they weren't intended to be used so that's kind of where i'm going with this one and then the transgate is just something that um it applies a gate up sort of right. a, in a pattern to a, a synth um and gives it that sort of um you know trancy anthony sound mm. uh um and I think that'd be something that bringing into the Eurorack format in one module that then lets you, like anything else, you know, use control voltage to change the parameters around Yeah, um, would be kind of fun. I, I like throwing those things on um, bland synths because it just makes them immediately sound really interesting, mm. uh, rhythmically and stuff. A bit uh, more rhythm, a bit more character. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially depending on what kind of effects you throw on it. Um, so one that I'm, that I really am inspired by is there's a transgate in reason. That's like a triple filtered gate. Um, so you can, the pattern runs between a low pass, band pass, high pass filtered version. Mm. Um, and then there's effects on each of those chains. So it gets really, get really trippy. Um, Cool. Really crazy sounds out of it. All right, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's something that I've thought about since you know you and I kind of reconnected over the over last year, and you know, with your what you know about you know developing modules, I was thinking about 
know something that that's something that we can maybe eventually collaborate on but although i don't I, I don't have the background for it like like you do i've always wanted to see more vocoding modules in Eurorack, mm. which i don't know of, i really don't know of any like i actually picked one up from a guy in england that it was just a CV mic input. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It's not a vocoder. It just sends out. You know, a, it's just a mic input with using a CV microphone, which is you know a very inexpensive mic that you would find. You know, cops use it. You know, truckers use them. They're mm-hmm. very simple and easy to use. Now I've been able to use it in my system, throwing it through like Synthetex Echo and, and throwing that into clouds and getting a lot of you know echo and reverb on it, which has been a lot of fun. But it's not the same as using a vocoder. For right. example, like like the MS two thousand is a, a, is a phenomenal vocoder. Right. right. But you know that's a big ass synthesizer that I don't mm-hmm. want to haul out. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. want to get something that I can throw into a suitcase and just take the right. bus. Right. Yeah. I mean, anything like that in in the Eurorack format is cool. I think again because if you leave it sort of if you leave the design open to interpretation, so maybe someone wouldn't use it as a vocoder in the traditional sense. Yeah. But do, do something else with it. Um, especially if it takes a, a, a couple different modules and runs them together in one, you know, uh, small format device, then you save some space. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think any, any of that stuff's valuable, so. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, saving space has been a really big thing for a lot of new developers and kind of creating their modules to be a little bit smaller yeah, so you know, not to too small, that H- but like I think me, you know, like six <laughs> HP is a good size. As long as you leave enough room to grab knobs and be able to keep it playable, you know. Yeah, I think for me that's still important. Um, there is that you know that there, you're right. There is that kind of issue of like your rack is so small that some of these knobs are teeny tiny, and yeah, once you like, get all your so patch cables in, you really can't grab grab I them anymore. I saw, I saw an elements. Uh, mutable elements which is a pretty big module mm-hmm. i think it's like 30 h or that's 30 big maybe 20 i don't know it's big it's like that's pretty big it's big right yeah and someone had it down to like 10 or something like wow half the size it was like it's but everything is so crammed together you know like yeah. every single knob is like so tiny mm-hmm. and like i get it but i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think playability is really important um, if if that's what you do. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's kind of one of my things, I guess. Yeah, well, there's other, you know, there's other, you know, formats. Just Eurorack is the most popular because of its, sure. of its size. Right. You know, you've got other, you know, you can go to 5U if you really wanted to, but right. those are much larger panels. Yeah. But those are also, but kind of the beauty of those is that they take, uh, quarter inch jack instead of eighth yeah, inch jack. Yeah, nice big, but nice big jacks are fun to plug in and pull out. They you are. <laughs> <laughs> you get that really satisfying clunk and um, bigger knobs. I mean, I think that's it, it. Feels it starts to feel more like a big instrument than like it does. You know, and that's when you're like starting to take up a wall space. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Man <Yeah>. can dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm staying pretty small. I kind of like. I think I definitely actually like to stay um I like single kind of single mostly single manufacturer cases just to have some continuity between the interface the UI or the modules hmm. it's where they place the jacks it's where they place the knobs it just kind of feels familiar across the whole system rather than some people like just to kind of put everything together and mix everything together um I kind of my my for now I've been been, been going with kind of one manufacturer per case so and oh. I only have one case right now I'm not saying I have like five <laughs> cases of <laughs> modules but if I did that that's definitely so what you're I was constantly doing. switching things out right now or um yeah I just stick to the one case okay. I have a overflow case um, that I put the extras in mm-hmm. but I have kind of one performance case um, that's the case I'll take out so when I was doing some live performance of some of the tracks uh, at the Super Conference, I took that case with me. Is that the one you brought over a few months ago we were jamming? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've tweaked a little bit since then. Okay. Like I switched out the yarns mm. for an FH2 um, because I just use USB more often than having the MIDI, um, actual MIDI cables. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I was actually going, you know, I had to had it. I had to get a a USB to MIDI adapter from the computer to mm. go into the yarns. Um, so I'm like, why am I doing this? And I <laughs> just got an FH2, and I just go USB to plug straight into it. It's much more direct. So, yeah. Um, so Were you having a da- Was it an adapter issue before with uh, it was MIDI? Just unnecessary. Like yeah. to go to USB to MIDI back to USB. Basically USB. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. One yeah. format to another, back to the... That's redundant, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. But, like, I had the yarns first. Um, the FH2 came out a little later. So, um, yeah, and it's got USB-C on it, which is nice for, like, iPads or any other new devices that have USB-C. Are you using um, any iPad, like, MIDI interfaces, anything like that with your setup? Um, yeah, so I just actually got a new one because I s- had an original iPad that I'd sold a while ago. But was yeah. great for apps. Um, the music, the app ecosystem on iOS is like, it doesn't exist on Android. Right. So you kind of have to have it if that's what you're into. Um, so I got a new one, and yeah, it's great. Like um, I've been using the uh, the Propellerheads app, mm-hmm. the synth they released. That one is really fun. I've been hearing good reviews about that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, uh, there's a think there's a I think there's a MIDI one that you can send out called I think it's Rosetta mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't used it another guy was using it uh, Roy Shades was I think using that one at a right. show I saw I was just asking about it once and he was basically sending out using Rosetta from his iPad to send out a MIDI signal out to his Eurorack system sure yeah I mean yeah if apps like AudioBus that exist on iOS that yeah I mean that that's full audio and MIDI routing from anywhere to anywhere between apps on the iPad or iPhone. Um, that's really powerful. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those things where I do most of my work on the computer. Like um, I added a, a an Ableton uh, a push to just because mm-hmm. I've been using Ableton more. Um, I've been using Reason so long that that's still where I go to like, okay, I need to get work done. Mm. <laughs> um, which is weird because it's, it's definitely not popular anymore, not as popular as it used to be. Right. I remember it being really popular in like 2002, Yeah, when it came out, it was like, ama- this is amazing. Yeah. That was like Reason 1.0. It was. It was something that, you know, <laughs> a, you know, a band I was playing in at the time back in the aughts was, that was our, you know, our main app for, for drums. Right. Or software back then, I don't know. Yeah, um, but it still integrates well. As it's funny because like, Eurorack is really popular, and this modularity is really popular, and that's always been part of reason mm-hmm. that every device is sort of its own little module that you can plug things into. Like you can flip the rack around, and there's actually wires back there you can unplug and plug. <laughs> and they they and they release their own little like um, modular Eurorack synth. That, that fits into it. That's cool. Um, I didn't see that. But it's kind of all set up. That's kind of it was familiar, mo- starting with like a semi-modular synth because it's like okay, this is already sort of what I'm used to doing. Right. Where when you're working in Ableton, it's very straightforward. Like, um, it makes more sense as as a digital workstation, I think, than like Reason. Reason's to me feels like it's it's a synth of its own, mm-hmm. even though it has the stuff that a normal DAW has. Um, I go there more for the sounds. There's specific synths in there that I like to use. So, um, yeah, but um, it works well. Like I said, I use it with Ableton a lot, and the, and the push um, is my interface to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the iPad is another, just another way to interface with the computer. Because um, I think any time you change the interface, the sound changes. You know. Yeah. When you're using the mouse to move wheels around it's one <laughs> sound and when you're actually using dials it's another sound and when you're using touch it's a different sound so um, I like having those different ways to interact with it and that's a different uh, that's mostly a difference of interface isn't it mm-hmm. yeah but it definitely changes how you how you actually how play you, how it how play. things sound yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no they totally do yeah and man is it annoying to use a mouse yeah <laughs> well yeah I mean, sure you know they've gotten better with track pads but uh <laughs> You have to modulate one thing at a time. Yeah, it's a little annoying. <laughs> yeah. 
So, are you? I know you're not a big player like outside of you know doing other venues. You're more of a you know let's go to the show and just check it out style. Have you have you thought about maybe playing live besides you know doing the uh, you know the stuff for 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 work? I mean, and I and I've played some of that live, but I've, I'm playing it for you know I'll pretend it's an audience. Um, but for the people that came to the conference that have heard it before, they'll hear it again. Like, oh, I remember that. That was that one year. You know, like that kind of stuff. That's right. that's why we do it. Um, but all that stuff is not something that when I sit down, like I'm gonna make my own music. That's not the music I would go to initially. Okay. Right. Um, or that I would choose to like play out live. I could play it out live. Um, but it's more it's like a work thing even though i'm not paid to do it like i don't go to i don't do that stuff at work right yeah it's all that's like passion project stuff that stuff you do at home yeah um but you know i I'd, I'd, pr- I'd probably sit down to try and and i would work on like a techno track um and so that, that that's something i would try and play out live but it's kind of like near and dear to me it's like one of those things where i have a very high bar so like <laughs> when i sit down to do it i'm like oh, <laughs> this isn't good <laughs> you know what i mean even though it's like ah, it's okay but i don't know um it's one of those things that i'm still learning like how to definitely doing this stuff at work um has taught me to like get better at finishing mm. stuff which is really hard to do when you're working on it on your own and yeah it is because um, you're on your own time and right. you don't really have a deadline right yeah exactly like when is this thing done yeah you know? Uh, it's done because it's due tomorrow <laughs> is what happens so um so yeah I, I'm, I'm getting a little better i'm trying to apply that stuff to what i've learned there to um the things i want to make but um i mean I, I think when i'm ready i guess the answer would be yes when you're ready yeah okay <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm one of those guys that i'm always trying to push you know my friends to get out there a little bit more often you know with like you know you and Lenny and, and, and Jeremy it's been so much fun over the past uh, two years that I've really gotten back into music and I've been able to bring my friends along and it's been yeah. to me it's been great because I actually have you know friends that I know outside of music who are I or are you know also musicians and, and into the same styles and playing around with the same similar hardware and software and I'm and we're able to bounce ideas off each other I mean Lenny and I we know each other from music hundred mm-hmm. percent but you know for you know you and, and and I and are more you know like we we knew th- each other through my girlfriend because you guys work together but then you know you know like with Jeremy uh, he I didn't even know he played electronic music at all until maybe like two years after I met him huh. and it was only because you know he works you know at the jug shop doing you know uh, doing the beer stuff over there and beer events that's how I know him right but it just kind of happened like uh, serendipitous mm-hmm. as he was like oh hey I do this too right and it was just <laughs> fucking it was fantastic it right. was just a lot of fun and so I've been able to create you know a nice you know group of friends that I can bring together and or you know we can get together once in a while and you know, jam and play right. and we've been able to you know bounce ideas off each other and share technology and the and and what we're doing and how we can help each other out in certain ways right yeah. So, uh, to me, that's been a lot of fun, and you know, with with you know, kind of reconnecting with you and at that show, and I didn't realize you were even. I, mean, I guess I should have realized it because I saw you playing once <laughs> so many years ago. I didn't put two things together because I was too busy taking photos. But um, that was, you know, it's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we have some synths at the office. What do you guys got at the office now? Um, well, at, at the SF office, um, some, a bunch of corks. Yeah. Okay. The little ones. Oh, Korg Volkas? Yeah. Those are fun. Um, yeah, I've got the, the Beats. Right. There's a Moog. Uh, the little hackable one. I forget what it's called. It's a little black box. Not the um, not the Minotaur. No. Hackable one. It's got... Which one's that? Um, they made it in one of the Moog Fests a while ago, I think, and then released it. It's pretty expensive, but... Not the, like the th- Sub 37. No. It's a little black box. With some tiny little, you know, the um, patch cables on the side. Oh, was it like the, not the DFAM, but like the mother? Mm-hmm. 
not even no. that size now. It's smaller than that? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's like smaller than is a VHS it, tape. Is, is it, it's like the size of a Korg Volca, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah. Someone will That's how tell often me I use it that I know the name. <laughs> um, but yeah, some stuff like that. Um, and in the main office, there's like a, they have everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, uh, that some big synths. There's a grandmother, um, a bunch of moogs. Um, a lot of synths there. Um, but that's, they, they have a, a recording studio. Wow. So there's like a digital drum set and then guitars and basses and a full desk with really nice monitors and, um, you know, cause they're doing a lot of production work there, um, for content and things like that. Now, speaking of, you know, production, stuff like that, you and I were talking about maybe doing something, uh, doing like a live show or something like that that yeah. at your office mm-hmm. or you think we can still do that <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> and now that it's on the podcast <laughs> it has to happen <laughs> no for sure i mean i mean to put uh, you on the spot man but i think it's, it's one something of those... i've been kind of thinking about in the back burner of my mind going like yeah because just because i've been going to a lot of you know events like resident frequencies over in oakland and resident and sf and then you brought up the idea of you know you know, doing this at your office, which would be a bit more controlled environment, but it's definitely something that I'm really interested in doing. Yeah, so I'm something a little more curated, so it's not open mic, you know, because I think uh, Resident is a great open mic already. It is. Um, but I think something that's a little more hardware focused. Yeah, you want to do like um, a bit more, and you want to showcase like one or two musicians. At yeah, a time, one or two, right? and you really get to dig into like their their workflow and and what they use and. You know, I'm sure you'll find some people who who maybe make their own stuff, you know, um, and there's definitely an audience for, for that, that kind of content. Um, and it's music, uh, you know, artistry, mm-hmm. hardware, um, curated, uh, two people, you know, so you fit it all within, you know, under two hours. Um, yeah, I think it'd be really cool. I think so too. It's definitely something we got to get going. Uh, you know, obviously there's no rush, but if we can start it up this year, man, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be really cool. It would be. Uh, what else are you working on, man? Besides, so you've got, uh, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, doing techno on your own, but you really aren't doing too much with it. Are, have you been thinking about maybe putting an album together anytime soon? Um, yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I just need tracks, <laughs> like ten or twelve of them. And how many you got so far? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I think what I'm prac, what I need to practice more um, is coming up with a very structured way of working, which I have an idea of how that's supposed to work. I just haven't applied it yet. Mm-hmm. But structured as in really sitting down and being like okay today all i'm gonna do is sound design okay you know and you just do sound design so you're talking about like blocking it out yeah so you get some stuff recorded you have it saved to your library and then maybe the next day is just composition and that's all you do is composition so you don't get distracted by sound design on composition day you know um and really break it down to where you can start churning through stuff really fast because I think it's kind of, to me, it's always been a numbers game. Mm. Like the more bad stuff you can make, the quicker you get to the good stuff. Yeah. And, and then you, you know, just never let anyone hear the bad stuff and everyone's like, wow, you make really great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I'm sure you would know from like photography, right? Oh yeah, It takes a thousand pictures to get like one, that one. Yeah amazing picture and then the trick is you just never show anyone the other thousand photos it's true and they're like wow you're the most amazing photographer i've yeah. ever seen because of that one but, photo <laughs> well and also like it comes with it with a lot of practice like you know i've been doing photography for 20 years now and which is kind of surprising to think about but now that i think about it yeah it's been about 20 years and you know for example which goes similar to with with, with making music is you know doing a thousand photos to one photo over that span of time I've been able to, you know, hone my craft a little bit more and more every year, and get and learn from different jobs that I can actually do a lot with my knowledge of photography and shoot less. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I was shooting uh, two weeks two weeks ago, uh, 
yeah, two weeks ago, I was shooting something for my history club, and I set up a little photo booth at where we had this little dinner and ball for the you know for like the wives of of the members, and I'd uh, I'd taken like the secondary room like the basically the billiards room and and the and set it up into a, a photo booth and. I've got my, my strobes all set up, and I know my lighting situation. I've got my F-stop ready to go, and I can throw everybody in there and hit the mark with one shot. Right. You know, but that's just from years of experience that I know what I'm doing. Right. So, for you know, and that goes hand-in-hand, similar, similar with making music, is once you understand more about, you know, the software and the hardware of these synthesizers, and and software that you're you know recording and also composing in once you get more familiar with it especially with you know with Eurorack which is even more of an experiment when you start you know throwing patch chords you know this way and that going CV to gate all those fun things yeah. you understand your stuff more the, the more you play with it right. and with this doesn't have to be whether you're performing or not even if you're just at home and that's where you're really going to find out you know where all the mistakes are and where all the right places are mm-hmm. and how to control those things. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it just comes with practice, And you, but you are right that there's a lot of, you know, you're going to go through hours of, you know, eh, not so good work that, and eventually come out with something really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I end up like, <clears throat> I'd say right now I have what a, probably a lot of other people that have the same situation where, where you have a, end up with a lot of loops, you know, like... Mm. You start something new, you start adding to it, you have this loop going, it's sounding cool. Yeah. And then and then you're sort of done with it. Or you don't know what to do. And then you sort of yeah. okay, I save it, I'll come back to it later. And then you start a new one. You just keep doing that over and over again. And all of a sudden you have like fifty files named horribly in a folder <laughs> that are all these loops. And then what do you do? You know? Um so it's setting up a structure to kind of break out of that pattern. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of I'd say where. Uh, there's more work to be done, is that. Um, but the the good thing is I kind of know, what I need to do. It's just you know actually sitting down and doing it. Um, your rec is another one where you can kind of get lost. Like there should be a your rec day, you know. Like I think so. You don't touch (laughs) it any other day. Like just because if you sit down and make a track and then you start messing with your rec, then like three hours go by and like you really know, fast you don't have anything done <laughs> um it's like with me well i'll, I'll sit okay i'm gonna start with my kick drum and then like again i can just make a kick drum for hours <laughs> and then i'm like okay i've wasted up so much time like you know we're tuning i'd it. say yeah like now i'll usually just go and grab a sample and throw that in and then maybe i can always change it later right but at least i'm not stuck like in that zone you know um distracting you so yeah It'll happen. Just, Good, you know, Got to do it. Yeah. That's also, you know, with those, you know, those little extra loops that you've got here, here and there, 50 files, whatever, you could eventually go back, you know, revisit them, rework them a little bit, add a little bit to them. It could be a B-side, you know? Oh, yeah. It's totally fun to, like, open up old files, like, that I have no idea what it is. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then and then <laughs> you, you play it, and you're like, wow, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> 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 you know? There's a lot of that happens. So that's that's fun. It's like, Yeah. That that's that's pretty fun. You could create a whole new album just from, you know, those th- those samples and cuts that you really didn't know what to do with, and then you can eventually throw those into like a, an album that you know is maybe not what you expected, but yeah. could be actually a good piece of work. I mean, that you could put out there. I think I think in my mind, like, I think I, f- I feel like an album to me is kind of like a snapshot in time. You know, it t- it totally is of like where you were and what you were using and how you were feeling. So I kind of feel like it should be something that you sort of start and finish pretty quickly. Um, and I guess maybe, I guess maybe that's been my sticking point is like, okay, committing to starting it and then setting an end date. Um, mm-hmm. Like with everything that that's just kind of what has to happen, I guess. I think that's, so. that's in my mind. I think how it should work. Maybe that's not how it works realistically, but I don't know. Well, I haven't, the whole I haven't done it yet. So with the whole idea of like the creative process and, you know, you go through lulls of having a lot of inspiration, then 
you're not inspired at all, but you're still trying to get things done. Right. You know, and and then you have the dilemma of like I'm forcing myself to do all this work, but it's just not coming out how I want it to be. Yeah. And that's something that you know I think everybody struggles with a little bit here and there. Yeah. But there's some great things that can really come out of that. Right. If you really just kind of allow yourself to get lost in some of the work and really kind of come kind of allow yourself to be a little bit more experimental right even though like it's maybe not exactly to the mark of and and to the schedule you're really trying to do yeah yeah like have you ever had any kind of accidents where for example you know i've got uh, i've got this uh electroharmonics pedal that uh is the super pulsar and i was playing around with it sometime in 2017 I'd finished playing with it. I had it hooked up to the, the Moog Minotaur. I unplug, you know, I just take the jack, I take one of the jacks out of the Super Pulsar, and it all of a sudden shoots off this crazy sound. Mm. And I enjoyed it so much, I just had to make a track out of it. And so, yeah. This weird thing, has anything really kind of happened for you like that? Yeah, for sure. Like the, those are the happy accident yeah. moments. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that happens all the time. Um, yeah, there's weird stuff like even when like you're in software like um, starting and stopping tracks and you get that crazy reverb tail that like <laughs> goes off for like capturing that stuff that you would you didn't t- intend to do or hear but then you heard it and you're like oh that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that that's that's that happens a lot. I'd say that's kind of what I do a lot is just digging for those moments, you know, trying as many things as quickly as possible. Um, to get stuff to happen um, and then sort of getting better at knowing what sounds good and what doesn't sound good mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah just taking those moments and kind of recording them and archiving them um, yeah for sure that's that's part of definitely part of my creative process so. are you uh, working with anyone now like uh, in terms of you know making music together or bouncing ideas off of anybody right now um we have a at work we have a chat that we have a bunch of people that are anyone who's interested in music stuff can go into oh um and like daily we're they're talking about everything but it, that that's can be general music stuff you okay know? um but sometimes it's like work-based or synth-based um uh they actually they post jobs in there too or like hey we need some audio for this video we're going to post on facebook Mm -hmm. and they could very easily go to some stock site and pull some sound but then like it's like why not just like if you've got six people sitting here that can make stuff at home you know get get one of them to do it Uh, because it's just a little more personal and unique you know totally absolutely i agree you know the times the few jobs i've worked on commercials i've always wanted to you know being you know doing photography or videography i've always wanted to make you know the music and but usually i don't get the chance because it'll go with something that's you know copyright free right and then and they definitely could do that and i bet sometimes they might have better results faster but i think there's something there's something about giving people that opportunity you know it's like because they wouldn't have it otherwise like i'm not like submitting audio to other companies right and like right. not freelancing or like making any money off of it um and i wouldn't have that opportunity if i wasn't at this company maybe another one but they definitely go out of their way to like because it's fun yeah it is. and if that's something that you're into then hey you should definitely do it you know whether it's photography which i i took some photos there like you took some photos at one of our events mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you've got a good camera set up too. Right. Um, yeah, or doing the music or, I don't know, whatever. Um, putting together a meetup, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Those are kind of opportunities. Um, yeah. Absolutely, man. And th- those are great things. Um, it's something that, and eventually we're going to get this together this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to get, you know, some type of, you know, live show people can listen in on to or something like that i'm not sure how we're going to figure it out but sure yeah we'll do something I'm, i guess maybe we'll do like a live stream and maybe do like a i'm i'm not sure if we want to set up like a, a separate podcast for it later on or maybe just like a youtube channel something like that yeah i mean we like i think the reason i brought it up is because i think the resources are already there 
it um, definitely the is, streaming yeah. stuff is already set up yeah like, it's just sort of it, it's an opportunity um why not take advantage of it you know I think so if and it if it helps everybody out if it you know gives a little bit to to you know helps out bring maybe some um some of people some people you know like give mm-hmm. them a little bit more uh visibility exposure, exposure. Yeah, um, visibility. yeah yeah supply frame always likes exposure <laughs> um i like meeting people definitely listening to music you know like there's yeah in the san francisco bay area there's you know there's so many musicians and artists that we that I haven't met yet and vice versa right. that, you know, need to get a little bit more out there. Yeah. And, you know, and I have no problem, you know, promoting people like that. It's it, to me, it's fun because I get to see what they're doing and, and, and it's always inspiring to see, you know, what another artist is working on and, and what kind of music they're, they're producing. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is one of the great things that I've really enjoyed over the past uh, year, almost year that I've been back and performing, just doing, you know, mostly like, live mic uh, improvs with uh, electronic music mm-hmm. that's been really gratifying I've actually you know gotten into a community from that which has been really fun mm-hmm. and that's been a great resource because we're always bouncing ideas back and forth saying if anyone has a question about something there's usually someone who's already done that or something similar and, and they can share their stories right yeah I mean I'm, I'm always pretty inspired to see how people work it's kind of like unboxing videos, like when you, you know, boxing videos, unboxing videos, unboxing. Someone buys something and then opens it up, and you get to see what's <laughs> inside the box. So it's like almost like you're, op- it's like taking the place of you have having purchased it, but you didn't. You get to experience that feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but watching someone work and go through their creative process kind of gives me the same sort of enjoyment, I guess. Um, and uh, you you always learn something like even if it's like oh I have all that hardware like the way they do it there's like an unlimited number of ways to, to make something you yeah. know so I think anytime someone goes through that process of like showing you how they work and what they use and how they do it it's like wow that's, ama- that's amazing yeah every time so um, yeah I could watch that stuff all day long <laughs> if it existed um, but yeah um, I think, yeah, in a live setting, having someone do that and then being able to watch them actually perform it and being able to ask questions, like those are all things that I think are pretty valuable. So, Yeah, yeah they definitely are. Now, um, do you have any – you've got a SoundCloud right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your SoundCloud? I think it's Richard Hogbin. Yeah. It's Richard Richard Hogbin. Um, and I actually stuff? started that just to post stuff for work so oh, they could okay. download the files. Oh, okay. I wasn't, like, promoting anything, although they're all up there publicly and available to download. It was more just like, um, it's music. I'll put it on SoundCloud. I, I could have put it on Dropbox or, you know, any other file-sharing program, but right. I felt that was a little more... Well, sometimes people do ask, like, for the music, mm-hmm. um, even though most of it's not, like, totally finished tracks. Some of them are as short as 45 seconds. I think the longest one is like six minutes um but yeah they're, they're up there because then i can easily point to like hey yeah if you want to like download that or find it's right that, there it's, it's on soundcloud yeah. yeah you don't have to do too much work and say oh, here's make, the link it makes sense yeah um but i haven't really done like any official promotion or anything like that okay. but they're definitely up there if you search richard hogman yeah cool and it's all chronological so it starts in like 2000 14 or so and then like the first event like the first one at the bottom was the first yeah. one we used <laughs> <laughs> so and then i've just posted stuff since then up to the most recent one yeah. um and a few of the most recent ones are were for actually were for a podcast were they uh, yeah for the hackaday.com podcast they started doing so oh, they're doing like I a they're doing like an in review of articles and news and stuff in a podcast format oh okay yeah All so right. i made like four four or five little podcast intro thingies oh cool <laughs> um some of them were recycled you know mm-hmm. little one file and then mix some stuff up and put it up there excellent um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, I think that's about it for today. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Yeah.